Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of SEC QB, brought to you by Believe Podcast Network and uh, brought to you also by betonline.ag. And speaking of betonline, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline. And Josh is coming off a big 5-1 and one weekend in the SEC last week with his picks. Uh, but from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, betonline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well, which never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Josh, man, it was a, a you know, there, last week we had a ton of huge spreads. Uh, and, and I think we came into the, the podcast thinking there's no way. I think we both thought some of these games would be a little closer than they are. But we'll get into those here in a minute. But before we jump into our recap wanted to go through I don't think there were any real surprises here the only thing that I thought in the talking college football playoff rankings mm-hmm. Alabama is the clear number one to me I feel like there's a, a really a step not only in the SEC but there's a step between Alabama and then everybody else and mm-hmm. then A&M sitting there at five Florida at six Georgia at eight now the surprise here to me is still Georgia I don't think that that is a top 10 team with their, I think there's even with JT Daniels, I think they're a little bit limited on offense. But AM coming off their win over LSU, I, I would not have shocked me if Florida had jumped them, even though they had the head to head. Is there anything that jumped out to you in this second round of the playoff rankings? Well, you know, AM at five, Florida at six, and uh, we're going to, we're going to see. We're going to see Florida and Bama. I have a real good feeling Florida is going to beat Tennessee this week. We're going to see them, like you mentioned, Bama, clear number one. I think they're the most well-rounded team in all of college football. When you see what they've done defensively over the past three or four games, I mean, it's like their defense is catching up. And and it was a concern there early in the year. So I I think they are clear-cut number one way above Texas A&M, has a great defense, but uh, Kellen Mond looked shaky last week against LSU, who doesn't have a very good defense. And so that kind of put some question marks in my head to really how good is A&M's offense, you know. And then Florida's offense is great, but their defense gives up a ton, and especially that secondary that Florida has, they give up points. Um, so, I, you know, Florida and Texas A&M are more, uh, more offense or defense rather than complete team at this point. I think Georgia is getting better because – uh, they're able to throw the ball a little bit better than they did at the beginning of the year. The defense has always played pretty good, and then they've got a great run game. They had three running backs last week, rushed for over 75 yards. So I think they're a good balanced team, but I do think that Florida's offense is better than any of those other one side of the ball, offensive, defensive teams on, on any of those three, Texas A&M you know, and Georgia. So I like Florida's offense. I think they might should be at number five, but we'll wait and see. I think Bama's so strong that they could embarrass about anybody that they play. 
Yeah, the only thing that I would say to sort of stick up for Texas A&M here, because I watched that that full game. Mm-hmm. I was in Houston for the for the Rice game, and all of Texas was blanketed with this massive rain shower all day Saturday, and it rained all day. And in College Station, I'm not sure people realized how hard it was raining for most of that game. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M still didn't look great on offense. Kellen Mond did not play that well. But I, I think it's been overshadowed. I think it, the storyline's just become, well, Texas A&M didn't look very good on offense. Well, I'm not sure that there's too many offenses that would have looked that good because it was there was a downpour for most of that game. And it, it, sometimes when you're on, the, on camera, it didn't look that way, but it was raining pretty hard. It was tough to throw the ball in that game. Now, looking forward, Texas A&M has an opportunity. I, I get that Auburn, especially against Alabama, has not been what we thought Auburn was going to be to this point in the season. But there's a chance here for A&M. This, if you go out and win and win convincingly, A&M's only beating people by about eight points a game. And some of their some of the teams they've played in the SEC go back to Vandy in week one. This LSU team, I mean, should have won that game by more than they did. They're not winning by you know big enough margins to win over the, the committee right now. But I think this is an opportunity for them if they go beat Auburn convincingly and then they go on the road and beat Tennessee, which they should beat them convincingly. That's their what you need if you're A&M. got to have that happen. And then you need some movement uh, up top where a Notre Dame or a Clemson falls out. And then who knows what's going to happen with Ohio State. It, it's the Ohio, you know, Barry Alvarez came out and said they need to adjust the rules to try and make sure that they get Ohio State in, which I can't believe he went on record and said that. But <laughs> – there's a chance here that A&M is sitting at the end of the season at eight and one, and mm-hmm. they get left out by a five win Ohio state team. So we'll see what happens down the stretch. But if you were, I, I get they have the head to head, but just straight up neutral field, who do you think wins if they were to play again between Florida and A&M at this point in the season? You know, I think it'd be a game. It'd be a close game. There's no question about it. I think the strengths are, they balance each other out. You know, I mentioned Florida's offense, Texas A&M's defense. I mean, it, Texas A&M's defensive line is as disrupt, disruptive up front as any that I've seen this year. Uh, you know, LSU's not a good team. That's who they played last week. And LSU's got a lot of young players. But, I mean, they really gave them fits. LSU couldn't run the ball at all. They couldn't throw the ball at all. They pressured the, the two freshman quarterbacks, and it really gave them issues. I think that that would be, it'd be another solid game. I like Florida's offense. I think because of the success that Trask is having through the air with all the touchdown throws. I think he's got 34, and and now Pitts is back and and uh, playing in a in a you know in, in an amazing role for them. Uh, catching balls all over the yard. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch. So I think, I think that it would be a similar game. I do think that Florida's offense has gotten better through the year and we've seen Trask really, really get hot. And sometimes you can ride some of that momentum. Uh, it would be interesting. I, I would probably lean towards Florida to be honest with you, but because you mentioned the bad weather game last week, maybe I've got a bad taste in my mouth on A&M's offense because Kellerman completed about 30% of his passes last week. So if he comes back this week and has a huge game against Auburn, I could say something completely different because it's not easy to go on the road and beat Auburn. It's not, and and we'll get a, a chance. I really do think this will be a, a really important game for A&M, more important than I think most people are giving it credit because Auburn's just not that good this year. But if they go out and win convincingly, I think that will help them tremendously getting into the playoff. 
that as we look back on on this past week, we can we'll jump right into Florida. Obviously, Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask has, has really put himself not only in the Heisman conversation, but he's got a chance. His Heisman moment would be if they were to beat Alabama in the SEC championship. Mm-hmm. And now that I sit here and say it, I'm not sure if the Heisman is given before or after the SEC championship. But for his sake, I hope that it's after because he's playing phenomenal football. And they obviously 34 to 10 over Kentucky. Anything that jumped out to you in this one? Um, you know, I thought Florida would be a little bit, uh, a little bit more, uh, I guess, scary on offense. I, they scored 34 points. Um, you know, Tras has done an amazing job. Three touchdown passes or more in eight straight games, which is a school record. Passing Danny Warfel, we all know Danny. Who Danny Warfel won the Heisman Trophy back to Spurrier uh, in the the fun and gun days and. Pitts, of course, I mentioned earlier, was huge in his comeback, kind of welcome back moment, I guess. Uh, Kentucky, they they couldn't run the football against Florida, and that that's a big deal. If Florida can stop the run, and I know they're vulnerable in the pass game, then they're going to have a lot of success down the road. And, and you know, Bama, if they <laughs> when they play Bama in the SEC championship, because it's going to happen, they're going to have to shore up that, that the back end of that defense because Mac Jones and Alabama can throw the football so well. So it's going to come down to either a shootout versus Bama or, you know, can Bama just run away with that game because Florida's defense is not going to be able to, you know, handle all the weapons that Bama throws at them. So both teams have great offenses. I think Bama's defense is just an elite defense when Florida's is a middle-of-the-road defense at best. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at it right now. The Heisman is given on January 5th of this year, so we'll be on the other side of the championship game. So Kyle Trask is going to have a chance if he plays well and they were to beat Alabama, I think he wins the Heisman. I'm not sure that there's anybody that's going to be able to to take that over from him. The game that, oddly enough, grabbed the most headlines, and aside from the Sarah Fuller story, I don't think it would have happened. Missouri 41, Vanderbilt 0. I was sitting there in the press box at Rice doing my prep, but also watching the Vanderbilt game, and I'm scrolling through Twitter. And it felt like everybody in the world was cheering for Vanderbilt's offense to just get in range, give this girl a chance to kick a field goal. And then doesn't happen. She does this. They're calling it a squib kick, which I'm not sure whatever they're calling it. I wish they would have just let her boot it. Cause she's a, she's six, two. She's a, 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 a sec champion goalie. The girl can kick the ball a long ways and they just didn't let her. I'm not sure why. And then after the game, Derek Mason gets let go. There's now rumors that there's some some veteran players for Vanderbilt that aren't going to play. Who knows if that's because of her, if that's because of Derek Mason being let go. They, Vanderbilt's got got some problems. Is there anything – did you watch this game or did, or did you see any of this stuff? I saw a little bit of it. Of course, I watched the highlights and I try to catch up after, you know, after Saturday – happens and you kind of go through all the games. I mean, Vandy was out gained 603 yards to 196. And Connor Basler, the quarterback at Missouri, had a great day, 30-37, over 300 yards. Missouri held uh, – had, 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 Missouri's playing great defense. And, and they've held, I think, three of the last four opponents to under 10 points. Vandy, you mentioned Vandy in their season and how bad it's gone, but they've never gone winless. And they could go winless this year. Ken Seals had only 79-yard passing. 
last week for Vanderbilt that kind of limits you to, to get into scoring position. So this this girl could make a kick or an extra point. It didn't happen. Derek Mason gone now. Who's next up for Vandy? That's really going to be the storyline at Vandy is can they get a win before the end of the year? And, and then who's going to be the next head coach? Yeah. And then the other big storyline from the weekend, I can't believe that – Auburn got beat this bad by Alabama. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to I'm, – I'm struggling for words to really put into context how out of sorts this feels. Auburn is bad. They're not this bad. And, and it feels like – I don't know where the emotion has to come from, but I watched most of this game. Alabama outclassed them. They were more physical. They did everything better. It didn't matter at all facets of the game. 42-13 to 13 over Auburn. I can't think of a game that was this one-sided in this rivalry. Can you? Not, no, not in recent years, not in the last decade. Auburn has, has always played them tough. Malzahn has always coached well against Saban. And, you know, Auburn's performed at a high level. It seemed like they've always kind of played up to Bama, and they weren't able to this year. Maybe it's because of, uh, you know, the COVID and the fan base and, and everything that can't really happen around the games and the pageantry and, and all that. But – um, this was the second biggest loss of Malzahn's tenure at Auburn. Devontae Smith, this receiver for Alabama, seven catches, 171 yards, a couple touchdowns. I think in the last three games, he's had over 500-plus yards receiving. He might be the best player in college football, and he should be in Heisman consideration talks. I mean, yes, Bama's defense is gaining momentum. Yes, Bo Nix threw two, uh, two, uh, threw two interceptions against Bama, and their defense is getting a lot better. And that's going to really carry them, I think, to maybe even a national championship. But Auburn turning the ball over and then Bama just being that explosive with this one dude, Devontae Smith, on the outside. He gives them a scoring threat anytime, anywhere, all over the field. He's catching deep balls. He's catching slants. I mean, and taking them to the house. The guy's an amazing, amazing player, and he's so fun to watch. So, Mac Jones, five touchdowns, 300 yards passing again. This guy, and you mentioned – Kyle Trask are the two Heisman contending leaders right now. But I think Devontae Smith is really why this Bama team through the air is, is, is capable of just putting up monstrous numbers. And we all, we always talk about Najee too in the backfield. So they got, they got great players really at every position. Yeah, I'm sitting here. I had to go back and look at this and I am now realizing that there have been a couple Auburn absolute smackdowns over the past. I don't know. This is going back to 2008, 2008, and 2012, Alabama shut out Auburn, 36 to zero in 08, and 49 to zero in 2012. Oh. So there have been some some beatdowns for Alabama over Auburn. This one, you know, Bo Nix. I, I think we all just expected more out of him and this this offense and this team to this point. But Alabama looks unstoppable. One that ended up being closer than than I think both of us expected. The Egg Bowl, Ole Miss 31, Mississippi State 24. Ole Miss's just stubbornness to when they get in the red zone absolutely will not kick field goals. Even chip shots, I think, is what burned them in this game. Their fourth down, they converted a couple of their fourth downs, but early in the game, they, they were 0 for 4, and three of them were yeah. in the red zone to start out the game and kept it closer than it should have. This game, this is one of those that Ole Miss really should have won this by at least two touchdowns. I agree. I agree. Um, you know, they came out a seven-point winner, 
um, a little too close for comfort probably for Lane because they they played well enough. And like you mentioned, they just didn't convert on some fourth down stuff. They probably should have kicked some field goals. He doesn't like to do it. I was impressed with both quarterbacks. Matt Corral, again, played well, 385 yards throwing the football through the air. Elijah Moore, he's had an unreal year, the, the all-everything receiver that they have there. They're really a three-headed monster offensively because this, this Ely, uh, Jared Ely, he can run the football and he's super impressive too, carrying the rock. So I like what they do on offense and, and they're fun to watch. Will Rogers, the freshman, what moxie he has though at MSU, I'm at Mississippi state, sorry, 45 to 61, 440 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. You, that's the big number that kind of sticks out to me is no picks. I mean, throwing 61 times in a, in a big game like that. So, you know, a freshman, something they can build around. I, I, I like them. They, there's a lack of balance there. And we talk about it every week because they don't run the football. Well, they had 31 yards rushing. They've got to be able to run the football a little bit better. You can't put uh, that kind of pressure on a freshman at those 61 one times and hope that he you know continues to play that well I mean sooner or later some you know defenses are going to come up and and do some things to make him really work for for uh you know some of his completions and some of his drives and some of those things I think they got to run the football better yeah I I have I have some family that are Ole Miss fans that I was or they Ole Miss grads that I'm sitting there watching the game with and they were beside themselves that this was only a seven seven point win but important for them obviously rivalry games regardless of of records you want to win so it's good for Ole Miss in that one looking at A&M and LSU this is another one that I really do think the weather played more of an impact in this than people are giving it credit Mm -hmm. uh 20 to 7 obviously an interception return for a touchdown helped out A&M they only had 13 points on offense anything uh, on the LSU side specifically that stood out or, or that you that you left feeling, you know, I this is what I would love to see more of, or these are the things that we've LSU has just got to fix. Uh, I think we got to fix the offensive line play. And, you know, we are playing with two freshman quarterbacks and, and they, yeah, they struggled TJ Finley, nine of 25 uh, from a completion standpoint um, percentage standpoint. I mean, I just think we don't run the football well. We had 36 yards rushing. LSU did. That's dismal. You can't win a big game rushing the ball for 36 yards and then having a QB, uh, your starter, complete nine of 25. I mean, I just think that there's just not enough uh, push up front offensively and in pass pro, too, uh, to really help these young quarterbacks out. And and it just, it just wore them out over time. I mean, LSU scored a late touchdown. Um, Terrace Marshall. Got him a touchdown. He ended up opting out this week, so he's not going to play uh, the, the big-time receiver, Terrace Marshall, against Bama this week and the rest of the season. He's done, so that's really going to hurt LSU. But we just don't – LSU just doesn't have the firepower that they, they – you know, and that, and that offensive line needs to really play a lot better, and hopefully they'll have that uh, shored up for next season because it's not – it doesn't look like this year is going to be a very good year offensively for them. You know, you brought up opt-outs, and this is something I'm based in Austin. This is something that is, has come up with two of their players, their potential first-round tackle, and uh, one of their receivers, or I believe it was Cade Stearns, the, the safety, opted out. What are your thoughts on this where guys are – and let's say in general, let's say it's not a, a, a 2020 COVID year. Just in a normal season, we've seen really primarily in meaningless bowl game, quote-unquote meaningless bowl games – what, mm-hmm. What's your impression on these guys that say, you know, I'm going to opt out of either the last couple of games of the season or my bowl game to make sure I don't get hurt and to, and to prep and get ready for the draft? 
I can, I'm glad you asked me this. I cannot stand it because, um, you know, your teammates and, and all the things you do in the off season, you know, how, how this all works. You work so hard together. And then, you know, if you have a star wide receiver or a, you know, a star left tackle or whoever it would be a star safety. Um, I haven't seen many quarterbacks uh, decide to opt out because they are the team, right? I mean, they, everything is kind of centered around the quarterback. So thank God that's not happening much. Uh, I know running backs would be the only position because they take the most abuse. They have to go run as fast as they can through, you know, gaps and holes in the, in the line and they get tackled from every different direction and bent backwards. And it's just a, it's a crazy scenario. If you're a big time runner, you're not playing for a national championship or a playoff game. I would have to, and, and we're going to be a first rounder. I would have to think about it. Um, kind of like Fournette did several years ago at LSU, but for the most part, I cannot stand it because you need to be there for your team. And, uh, you know, they need that leadership. Uh, and, and I just think it speaks volumes about the person, to be honest with you. Now, in this COVID environment, it's completely different. You know, Terrace Marshall is probably going to be a late first-round pick, the receiver at LSU that opted out this week. I think, you know, there's not a lot for him to play for. There's no fans in the stands. This year is completely different. If I'm him, I probably – would think about doing the same thing. And I hate to even say that because I always want to be there for my teammates, but at the same time, you know, he also doesn't want to take a hit. You know, he's got freshman quarterbacks throwing him the football, maybe lead him out to, to you know, lead him out to dry or something. He gets nailed. I mean, it's just one, you're one injury away from, you know, it going downhill fast. So this situation is one of the few that I would say that might be the best, best call. I think in general, I agree with you on the first part about finish what you started. Texas right now, I know this is an SEC podcast, but Texas is interesting to me because it feels like here at Austin that Tom Herman has has lost that locker room and lost the team. And I wonder if these guys just said, you know what, I'm I'm not playing anymore for this guy. And you don't, I mean, I don't know that they would ever admit that. Maybe they will down the line. But the impression you get is these guys have had enough and they don't have any buy-in to him. And really to one another either if you're going to walk away with with two games left on the schedule in general though I agree with you I don't like it um, one other game from last week Georgia over South Carolina 45 to 16 South Carolina's in full they, they've kind of just imploded and are, are getting ready for whatever is next for them Georgia sitting there at eight still with the outside chance they need to get lucky uh, with with Florida ahead of them but I think JT Daniels is, I think we've all been pleasantly surprised with how he's played. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he's had two good games back to back. They only had, had him throw 16 times last game. And that's because they were running the rock so efficiently. James Cook, six carries, 104. Zamir White, 13 carries, 84. I mean, they're running the running the football. And so, you know, it took, took a lot of pressure off him. The week before, he threw for 401 yards. So now they've got a little balance going, right? And now people are starting to pay attention to him. They're number eight in the in the playoff uh, poll, you know. So they're playing better. There's no doubt about it. Balance has been the key to that, and we'll see how they do the rest of the way. Let's uh, – yeah, it was you – know, last week, again, there were some huge spreads, and there were some huge margins of victory. So – you know, Vegas knows more than we do, which we already knew that. As we look ahead for this upcoming week, a couple large spreads, a couple one-score games. We'll, we'll jump right into it. Arkansas at Missouri. Missouri's favored by five. 
Yeah, um, Missouri's playing well, big-time defensive efforts of late. Arkansas took a week off last week. Um, two Coach of the Year candidates, Pittman and Drinkwitz, uh, two good coaches, man. Arkansas's forced the league-high 13 picks. Missouri's, Missouri's defensive line, offensive line's healthy. I like Missouri. At home, minus three and a half, I'll take Missouri. Yeah, I, I'm going to go – I'm going to go Missouri as well. I think this is the, a team that early in the year, they're figuring out it's a new coaching staff. It's a bizarre year, but they're playing with a lot of confidence right now. So I'm going to go Missouri as well. Next game, this is the one that we talked about earlier. I actually think that this line should be more than it is. But A&M, again, their margin of victory is only eight points. So they don't blow people out. A&M's on the road at Auburn. Auburn is plus seven. I think I'm a little different from you on this. I think it's going to be a close, tough ball game, a defensive ball game, low scoring, 23-20, A&M wins, but barely. I think we got two good college quarterbacks, but not great. I think they both possess same of the same abilities. Uh, they can run the football. They can get out of some jams, but they're not super accurate in the pass game. Kellen Mond's going to bounce back and play better, but Nick's probably will too because Bama last week was not an easy task. This game's going to play close, I think. I'm with you on this one, and it's because of A&M's margin of victory. They don't blow people out, and they should beat this Auburn team by a couple touchdowns, but it's just not in, the, in this team's DNA for whatever reason. They have a hard time putting people away and really running away from people. Uh, so I, I'm going to go Auburn as well here. I think A&M wins the game, but I think it's close. Now, Florida on the road at Tennessee. Florida's favored by 17 I take Florida minus 17, I think 42-17 or something like that. I, you know, Florida can wrap up the East by beating Tennessee. They've had a couple of uh, lackluster performances offensively the last two weeks. Tennessee's dropped five in a row. They they, they blew two double-digit leads in the last two weeks that they've played. Uh, last two games they've played Arkansas and Auburn. Uh, Tennessee could spoil Trask-Heisman campaign, but it ain't going to happen. I think they got too much offensively. Uh, with all the weapons that Mullen has, I, I like Florida. You and I are, are in lockstep this week. I'm, I'm going Florida as well. Uh, Vandy on the road at Georgia. Georgia's favored by 35 and a half. I won't say much. Georgia's going to have a field day in the story, 55-10 Georgia. I'm going Georgia as well. <laughs> I don't know. Are we going <laughs> to go opposite at all this week? Uh, yeah, I, I – I think that Vandy program is in shambles and I hopefully Sarah Fuller gets a chance to kick a field goal outside of that. I'm not sure they're going to score South Carolina, South Carolina's on the road at Kentucky, Kentucky's favored by 11 and a half. I like South Carolina, which, uh, you know, Kentucky's they've won five of the last six, which is kind of scary, but 11 and a half is a ton against the game. Class, but 11 and a half is a ton. I think, uh, South Carolina's uh, interim head coach Bobo needs some good performances from his defense. He needs some guys to step up. Both both teams have had terrible COVID issues uh, last month or so. Um, South Carolina sophomore running back Kevin Harris uh, could be a huge difference maker in the game. He only needs 72 yards to to top a thousand on the year. I like South Carolina in this game. We finally go opposite. I'm going Kentucky. I don't know that – I think South Carolina is another team that's got, got some problems. The only thing that scares me about this one is that it's – you know, Kentucky's offense is not that prolific, and they don't – it's not like they're going to go out and put up 45, 50 points. So they're going to have to play well on defense, but that is – that's the strength of this team. So I like Kentucky. I saved the best for last, and by best I mean kind of depressing. 
Uh, LSU is home against Alabama. They won the national championship last year. They are home. It is, this sets a record for the biggest home dog for a returning national championship. They're, they're home dogs plus 30. What do you think? Uh, you know, last year I, I was able to go to the game. It was one versus two, much different this year. LSU can – you know, LSU has not played well at all. And the, and the last time that LSU won back-to-back games was 2010-2011 against Bama. Um, Bama has not allowed a touchdown in its last 11 quarters at Tiger Stadium, including one uh, overtime possession as well in there. I just uh, – you know, LSU's first home game in six weeks, but it really doesn't matter this year with COVID and the fans, which is weird, I think. LSU ranks 120th in pass defense. Mac Jones is going to have a huge day. Um, brutal secondary by LSU, brutal defense. I think Alabama is is an amazing team, and I think they roll them. I do think they're going to cover the 30, which is just absolutely insane that I'm saying that, but they will. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, 50 to 14. I'm going Alabama as well. We only went opposite once this <laughs> week. I, I 30 points, like you, like you said, 30, that is so many points. But Alabama scores them in bunches. They are number one. Alabama is number one in the country. Excuse me, number two in the country in points differential. They win their games by an average of 30 points. Mm-hmm. So, and that's against, you know, LSU is not the worst team in the conference, but they're unfortunately this year, they're not that far from the bottom. I'm going Bama as well. And I, again, I, I just can't believe that we're saying this. You know, you think back to what this team was in January of this year for LSU and oh, how the mighty have fallen with opt outs, with guys. You know, it starts with the guys that get drafted, but Coach O's got a, a mountain to climb. And this is something looking forward. I'm excited to watch what he does there. How does he recruit? How do they bounce back? What sort of edge do they have next year? Because I would imagine you're going to see LSU bounce back in a big way next year and play pretty piss- a, a pissed off brand of football because okay. this has been for all the the celebration and all the accolades and the attention that came their way last year. They're getting a pretty substantial amount of negative attention this year. And it's hard that that takes a toll on, on any team and your young guys and your coaching staff. So we will see what they bounce back with, but guys, we, uh, we appreciate you tuning in as always. You can find us both on Twitter, both pretty active on Twitter at Josh booty 10 and at T McCarg 16. And if you like the podcast, subscribe, rate review. And uh, again, we appreciate you guys tuning in, give us some feedback. If you have any, unless it's bad, then don't say anything. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.